You are listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast, where you can hear the latest messages and other conversations as we strive to go serve and love in our communities. If you want to know more about us, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org. If you've enjoyed our podcast, be sure to subscribe and check us out on YouTube. Well, this morning we begin a brand new series. Does anybody have a clue of what it's titled? Jesus. You know, I told the uh, team, we have a very creative team around here. I told them that I wanted a background or a prop for this seven-week sermon series. And when they told me what they were going to do and how they were going to do it, I thought they had lost their mind. What you see up here is plywood, paint, a ton of nails, and yarn. They got more patience than Job. I could have never done that. But I want to thank them for for doing that today. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the seven I am statements the reason Jesus used seven I am statements was to describe himself to a lost world. And today we're going to look at the first one, which is going to be entitled The Bread of Life. And we're going to finish on week seven on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, with I am the resurrection and the life. And all seven statements are in the Gospel of John. But like always, I use a lot of scripture, probably more today. Uh, than usual, so it'd probably be just better for you to follow uh, on the screen. If you were to take a poll and ask a simple question, who is Jesus? You'd probably get a multitude of answers. In fact, if you ask a hundred people their opinions about Jesus, you would probably get 100 different answers. But in the end, what really matters is not what other people say about Jesus, but what Jesus says about himself. He says, I am the bread of life that came down out of heaven. Now listen. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There is just something about that name. Do you agree with that? Well, listen, he went... He says, I am the bread of life that came down out of heaven. Jesus began with the necessities of life. Well, he went back to the priority of every man's existence. And what is that? Well, only three things are necessary for life. As you know, food and water, right? Shelter, security, or protection. Flowers you may want and like, but food you must have. What a lesson for the Christian and the church. What good if we fill our lives in church with beauty, music, beautiful architecture, good as these things can be, and neglect to provide the essential, the bread of life, Jesus Christ. Excuse me, would someone shut that back door, please? It's a little bright there. I'd appreciate it. Thank you. That's why in this sermon series, we're going to look at the 7 I Am series, okay, statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. If you are searching for the real Jesus and on a quest to know him, then a great place to start is the Gospel according to John. Actually, you'll hear Pastor Gary say that a lot when he's doing funerals. And after he gives the invitation, he says, man, the best place you can start if you just ask Jesus in your heart today is in the gospel of John, or 1st John, and 2nd John, and 3rd John. John 20, and we'll look at verses 30 and 31 to begin. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, 
which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His, what? Name. Name. Okay, so here's a book to help us discover Jesus and come into a relationship with Him, giving us abundant life and life eternal. And in the Gospel of John, Jesus gives us the seven I am statements that show us what he does and what he wants us to do in our lives as we have life in his name. There are certain questions in life that seem simple, but the way we answer those questions affects everything. And in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked his followers one of the questions here. Look at verse 13 through 15. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Don't miss this. He said to him, them, but who do you say that I am? Apparently, Jesus thought that was a very important question. So as we start this new series today, let me ask you, who do you say that he is? Listen to this story. A college professor tells a story about a class that he teaches on the life of Jesus. And every time he teaches it, on the first day of class, he gives a standardized psychological test divided into two parts. The first part is about Jesus. So it asks questions like, was Jesus the life of the party or was he an introvert? Was Jesus a worrier? Did he ever get moody? Things like that. And then the second half of the test asks the student to describe their own personality. And it uses slightly different wording, but it basically asks the same questions. Are you an introvert? Do you worry a lot? And so on. You know what he's found year after year? Let me quote him. We all think Jesus is like us. Introverts think Jesus is introverted. Extroverts think Jesus is extroverted. People tend to make Jesus in their own image. What does the Bible say? God makes man, right? In his image. Listen. People tend to make Jesus in their own image. Political conservatives like to believe that Jesus would be a member of the NRA. Political liberals like to think Jesus would support Planned Parenthood. Basketball players say that at the end of the game, when the pressure is on, it's Jesus who helps them make their foul shots. Wealthy preachers say the one who gave them their Ferrari and private jet is guess who? Jesus. I don't have either of those. It seems like we can make Jesus anything we want him to be. Why? Because we prefer a Jesus we can relate to. Someone who is like us. Someone who doesn't make us feel uncomfortable and doesn't rub us the wrong way. But when we do that, we wind up fooling ourselves. See, we create our own Jesus in our minds. 
Nobody's life will be changed by an imaginary Jesus. Amen? J. Sidlow Braxter, Baxter, the Australian pastor, wrote this. Fundamentally, our Lord's message was himself. He did not come merely to preach a gospel. He himself is the gospel. He did not come merely to give bread. He said, I am the bread. He not, did not come merely to say the shed light. He said, I am the light. He did not come merely to show the door. He said, I am the door. He did not come merely to name a shepherd. He said, I am the shepherd. He did not come merely to point the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Can you imagine if I got up on this stage today and I said, listen, I know you came here looking for answers. Look at me. I am the answer. Man, you think pastor had lost his mind. Pastor's ready to start a cult or something like that. I know. Think about it. Nobody talks like that, right? But Jesus talked like that. He said, I am the light. I am the truth. And those are staggering claims. So either he's insane or he's a liar. Or we better pay attention. So over these next few weeks, I invite you to pay attention. Actually, very close attention. Look at chapter 6 of John, beginning with verse 32. Then Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Amen. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now, there are two major truths that I want you to remember today when it comes to Jesus Christ being the bread of life. First of all, he satisfies your spiritual hunger. Now, we're going to notice something very interesting when we study these seven I am statements by Jesus. Each statement comes in its own unique context. For example, when Jesus talks about being the bread of life, it is in the context of a major event that just occurred. If you look at the beginning of John chapter 6, you will see that Jesus has just performed these incredible miracles, and especially one. He had just taken five loaves and two fish and fed around 5,000 people. <clears throat> Not only did they have extra, but each disciple got a to-go box. Isn't that pretty good? Yeah, take some leftovers home. Look at verses 10 through 13 of John chapter 6. Jesus said, have the people sit down? Have them sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. 
So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. Jesus had just fed a hungry multitude. He was able to miraculously provide a way to satisfy their physical hunger. Beyond that, there's a very important context when Jesus began speaking about the bread of life. Now, a minute ago, we read about Jesus making this important statement, but there's something before the verses we read that I want you to notice. Look at verses 6, 30 through 34, John 6. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus not only fed 5,000 with a little boy's lunch, but he also talked about the miraculous provision of manna when the people of Israel were wandering in the desert. The Bible tells us in Exodus 16 how God provided manna for his people. So we're going to look in Exodus, beginning with verse 4 of chapter 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Jump down to verse 14. And when the dew had gone, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Now the house of Israel called its name manna. It was like, Corunda, seed, white, and the taste of, of it was like wafers made with honey. The people of Israel ate the manna 40 years till they came to a habitable land. They ate the manna till they come to the border of the land of Canaan. Think about it. No one ever had to ask, what's for supper? By the end of 40 years, I bet some Baptist lady had put together a recipe book entitled 100 Ways to Cook Manna. Now, do you remember the scene from the movie Forrest Gump when Bubba describes the way to cook shrimp? Listen, you have baked manna, fried manna, sautéed manna, grilled manna, manna salad, manna sandwich, manna kebabs, barbecue manna, broiled manna, raw manna, cooked manna. I wonder if manna's Atkins are keto-friendly. You ever thought about that? Do you know what manna is? It was wonder bread. Really, when I read its description, it sounds like a Krispy Kreme donut to me. And that's popular in the South, especially when the red light's on, okay? 
What does all this talk about manna teach us? God supplied their needs. Has God supplied your needs? We just always think we need more. Amen? We do. Exodus 16, verse 32 and 33. Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generation so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. Jesus is saying, just like God provided for their physical needs and satisfied their physical hunger, he will even more so provide for your spiritual needs and your spiritual hunger. Aren't you thankful? John 6, beginning with verse 48. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live, how long? Forever. In F.B. Myers' book, Blessed Are Ye, he illustrated the truth that material possessions can never satisfy spiritual hunger. And boy, have I heard the testimonies on that from people. He said, during the great famines in China and India, the natives have fed on a kind of edible earth. It has settled their cravings, but they have grown gradually weaker till they have laid down to die. The Nardu plant of Australia closely resembles flour. Okay, now listen to that. But lacks the nutrients and those who feed on it, though insensible of hunger, after a few weeks die of starvation. Thus men seek for that which is not bread, who refuse the fair loaf of God's gift, which is Christ, and feed on ashes, succeed in stilling the cravings for the unseen and eternal, yet perish of that fatal lack of God. Those who depended on it for food had their stomachs filled, but it is estimated between 10 to 13 million eventually died. If you go look up about that plant, you'll understand that. No matter what kind of bread you eat, you will eventually die. Only those who believe that Jesus Christ is the one who can give us what? Spiritual life will ultimately receive eternal life. And most of all, we say a lot by not saying anything at all. Secondly, not only does Jesus satisfy the longing of our hearts, but he saves our souls as well. Aren't you thankful? He can fill you up and offer abundant life on earth and bring you to heaven, offering eternal life one day. Listen, we just don't understand, it seems like, that abundant life that Jesus gives us now. Man, we don't have to wait to get to heaven to have life more abundantly. And we need to understand that. I want you to see this all-important phrase here in verse 50 and 51. Two different phrases. Verse 50, so that one may eat of it and not die. And the next one, if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. 
Clearly, Jesus is using a metaphor. He was a master at using ordinary things to teach eternal lessons. He compares and contrasts manna and earthly bread with the spiritual food offered through a relationship with Christ. He reminds us that physical bread only lasts a while. That physical hunger can be satisfied and then returns. But this spiritual hunger, this longing of our souls, can be satisfied once and for all through the bread of life, Jesus. Here, he promises that we can eat of this bread and not die. He will live forever. This is the promise of salvation and eternal life. When you listen to the teachings of Jesus, he clearly taught that our lives go on after we physically die. We don't cease to exist. We instinctively know our souls are meant for more than 70 or 80 years on this earth. But Jesus taught that when we physically die, we will experience either life, which means being in the presence of God for all of eternity, or we will experience spiritual death, which means being separated from God for all of eternity. Jesus actually talked about that a lot. So in this passage, he says, the way to eternal life is through the bread of life, Jesus. John 6, 47 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. So am I saying that, am I saying to you that Christians are better than other people? Like they're morally superior to other people? Not at all. You see, when a beggar gets handed some bread, he's got nothing to brag about. Amen? The concept, the Christian concept of salvation, if you think about it, is very, very humbling. And if we're thinking clearly, we naturally want to show other people where they can get some bread. I've been talking a lot lately to some of our staff, especially Ben, we get in these conversations, but about the gospel and about, uh, you know, evangelism and about all of our conversations somehow need to be at some point a gospel conversation, especially with those who are lost. It's really just been on my heart. But because all of us are hungry... So Jesus says, stop running after food that spoils. Have the wisdom to realize that you're a spiritual being and you need to fill your soul. And the way to do that is through the bread of life, which is a person. It's me, Jesus said. I am. Because when you have me, there will be a quality to your life and a quantity to your life that you can't find anyone anywhere else. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. So the final obvious question is this. How do you get it? How do you eat this bread? Well, verse 44 tells us that you can't come to God 
on your own. Now, you need to understand when we sing that song, I love it, but you can come just as you are. You don't sit there and say, Lord, let me clean myself, and I come to you. No, 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 no. You confess your sins. You repent of your sins, and you let God do the cleaning. Amen? That's what we got to do first. But it says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. You see, God is in the business of speaking to people's hearts and creating a spiritual hunger in their souls. That's who he is. He certainly did that in my life. What about yours? And I know he's done that in many of your lives. I know that. That's his part. So what's our part? What about our part? Look at verses 28 through 29 of John 6. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? Well, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God that you believe in him who he has sent. Listen, when God draws us, our part is to believe, to take Jesus at his word and entrust our life to him. It doesn't mean you have to have every question answered. It doesn't mean you fully understand it. But you know that God is drawing you. And you recognize the utter uniqueness of Jesus. And you put your faith in Him. That's our part. And once you make that decision, God says, You are mine and nothing can snatch you out of my hand. But every day after that, we still have a choice. We have to decide every day whether to run after the food that spoils or to keep eating the bread of life. I don't care how long you've been a believer. Today, you have to choose to trust in Christ, to lean on Him, to let His thoughts and His strength flow through you. You see, Jesus pointed out their real need. And you can eat bread and still not have eternal life. And Jesus offered himself as a spiritual food for a lost world. His, listen, his blood and flesh was to be broken and shed. Just as bread must be prepared, so was Jesus. Jesus said, you must eat this spiritual food if you want to have eternal life. You have to. Eating is a necessary act if I am to get nourishment. Listen to this. I am changes who I am. Don't miss that. I am the door. I am the shepherd. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the resurrection of life. You understand that changes everything. Every morning that the children of Israel woke up and went outside, they could either pick up that manna and live or walk past it and die. And you'll do the same thing with Jesus. Do you know that? You'll either receive Him as your personal Lord and Savior and feed upon Him, and He will save you, or you will walk past him just like some of the people the children of Israel did in that desert and pass on to something else 
and be lost. So my question to you today, who do you say that Jesus is? Now I know a lot of us have a head knowledge of Jesus, but it's the heart knowledge is what I'm talking about. Some of you may know more scripture than people who are saved, but I'm talking about the heart knowledge. People, we need to understand. Jesus could say, I am all of this because I am. That's who he is. That's who he was and that's who he is today. Nothing ever changes. He's the same today, amen, yesterday, I mean forever. He never ever changes. If you're here today and you have just even an inkling of a doubt that you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and if you were to die today, you have no idea where you would go. You need to clean that up and get that right before you ever go out of here. How many times have you heard me say this? The greatest miracles that happen in here on a Sunday is when people walk in these doors lost on their way to hell, but they are on their way to heaven before they leave this place because they ask Jesus in their hearts, their personal Lord and Savior. Some of you today, I think about when I was doing the series of the prodigal son. You have some prodigals you need to pray for today. Some of you in your relationships, you need to be praying that God will strengthen them, make them better. Some of you who think you have it all together in a perfect relationship, there's your weakness. You need to be praying that God would protect you and be with you during that. Listen, God loves you. God has a plan for you. God has a purpose for you. But the, most, the biggest, number one purpose is that you would come to know him as Lord and Savior. Let's pray together. Well, Father, today, I thank you that, Lord, you can stand boldly and unashamedly and say, I am. Because, God, you are all of those things as your word mentioned today. Father, I pray for those who are in here today that may not know you as Lord and Savior. That, God, they will not leave this place today until they come and say, Lord, I need you. Save me. And, God, I pray for those who are searching maybe for a church home. And that, God, they feel that this is the place today that they would come and join this place today. Lord, for those who just are struggling, Lord, in their families. And, Lord, maybe their marriages and their jobs. And, God, just in general life, through all of this pandemic and different things. God, would we understand, especially for those of us who know you, that we can approach your throne boldly. So, God, I pray today that, Lord, all the questions, all the things people are looking for, they'll understand all the answers is found in you, the great I am, Jesus. We love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lima Baptist Temple podcast. We hope you are encouraged today, and we would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer request, a topic you would like to discuss, or want to share what God is doing in your life, visit us online at limabaptisttemple.org forward slash central hub.